when we're younger, we like the drama and we like the chase and, you know, we like the inconsistency and we like winning people's hearts. Once you grow up a little bit and you get to the stage where you're ready for a serious relationship, if you're truly ready, you're looking for reliability. You're looking for consistency. And there's an element to it that some people might call boring. They'd say, oh, that mm -hmm. sounds boring. I don't think it's boring. I think it's stable, right? And if you're not looking for stability, if you're not looking for that reliability and consistency, then it's probably not time, you know, you're probably not ready to get serious yet. What up, Savannah? Hey, Mads. <laughs> How you doing, girl? Always a joy to see your lovely I know, companion. I know. I look forward to these... Uh, uh, virtual hangs. I know. I know. This is how we see each other these days. <laughs> Wild. Madison, I have not seen you in person since, since October of 2020. 20. <laughs> <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes, but but I am coming up in June. So fingers crossed. Oh, what a joy. Um, Sav. How how is New York? How is life now? Oh. Almost post pandemic. We're I know we're it's crazy. End. Do you miss it? Like, do you do you? What are your? Are you jealous? Isn't the right word, but now that things are opening back up and life is coming to resemble normalcy, it's certainly far from that. But it's starting to feel more like real life. What? A, how? How are you feeling? Ooh. You know, I wouldn't say I have full on FOMO yet, but I think once clubs and bars, everything kind yeah. of opens back up once the Broadway shows open up again, that's oh my gosh, for me. yes, um, yes. September, September you know, it came out, right? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, um, which is very exciting, and I'm happy, you know, yeah, for of course, all the performers and everyone who gets to do what they love again. But yes. I think I think that will be hard, but hopefully, you know, I'll be in my next chapter at that phase point. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely do you feel a little socially awkward i feel like i've gotten more awkward because i haven't been <laughs> practicing socializing in like a year oh totally oh absolutely i think like ordering my drink i i straight up had a anxiety attack being <laughs> like uh uh <laughs> <laughs> um and then yeah i think there there are those moments in like big group settings where a conversation will fade out or someone will step away to start a conversation with someone else and you're like by yourself for a second you're like what do I do right now I don't know what to do what do I I'm gonna I'm gonna run to the bathroom <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, the social anxiety yeah. is there yeah oh man I know part of me you know it's been kind of nice to have an excuse to be like oh yeah I can't go out the pandemic or oh yeah. Pandemic. I'm gonna miss right? that. Right? Yeah, I know. We're gonna have to come up with better excuses. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start putting on pants again to go on dates. Like I don't I don't know if I'm ooh, ready for that. Ooh, ooh, no, no. You could just like uh adopt like a flowy skirt ooh, wardrobe, you yes, know? That's yes. kind of I think that's what I'm leaning towards. I wear a lot of dresses in the summer mostly, so I don't have to wear pants, basically. <laughs> exactly. No, there's we don't be free. Be free. Be Let free. the legs free. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag free the legs. Yeah, yeah, truly. <laughs> well, speaking of, Sav, I do have a dating update for you. Tell me. <laughs> 
So um, there's this guy and we had, you know, great back and forth banter. Well, first of all, I should say there's always a guy, right? There's always somebody. Um, but, <laughs> but this guy I really liked and I was really excited about. And we just like really played off of each other. We had like the same sense of humor, both kind of witty. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it's oh, it feels so good when you find that. Yes. Yeah. So it's so rare. Yeah. So it yeah. really is cool when you have that. And it's not just like he's, you know, he's not like, oh, how's your weekend? Or like, hey, uh, how are you? It's like, like I just can't even respond. We were making up scenarios about being on like the PTA committee together. Uh! <laughs> Talking about how I ran for office when I was in third grade as the class mayor. You know, you're just getting into the weeds. Um, So anyways, we go on a date. We go out to this outdoor oyster bar. Uh, He had to leave early to go get his second vaccine shot. (laughs) So he had to rush out of there, as he should. Um, Priority. (laughs) And then afterwards, he texted me right away. And he was like, hey, I had a great time. I would love to see you again. Let's set up a second date. So after... Everything that we talk about on here, I was like, wow, he's communicative, responsive, doesn't leave me guessing. Like, this one might be a winner. I mean, he was scared of Harry Potter and uh, he was colorblind, but like, we won't hold that against him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But overall, really, really good, right? And another week goes by. And uh, we still haven't set up the second date. So I reached out and I was like, hey, like, you know, what did you have in mind for the second date? Like kind of casually hinting, like, come on. Yeah, no, good for you for making, you know, not waiting for him to make the move. Right, right. Thank you. And uh, he went to Vegas this past weekend for a boy's bachelor trip. And he was like going to go to Vegas. And he was making a joke about how the highlight for them was going to be seeing Frozen on ice. (laughs) see he's funny he sounds great yeah he was a good guy and, oh god uh, well, he was. Going. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh and so he was like i'll text you after i get back well that was last friday and cut to you know now a week later and unless he died on the flight over and he was flying spirit so mm-hmm. possible possible uh, i'm pretty sure i got ghosted by this guy we talked for like a month and a half oh so. uh, <laughs> bomb bomb Maybe oh, he no, no. maybe he pulled a hangover and married a stripper, and that's maybe. What, uh, <laughs> and they're just they're dealing with the annulment, so he doesn't want to reach out until <laughs> <laughs> that's all sorted. Well, now it's like if he reached out now, I don't even know what I would say. I think I would just be like, clearly we want different things. Like, let's yeah. Not continue. Well, I mean, as we as our listeners will hear in this mm-hmm. conversation with our wonderful guest Kevin Nahai. You cannot come back from ghosting. That is, the, I mean, Kevin says it just so so plainly and clearly. It's like, no, you don't get you don't get to come back from that. Yes, agreed. <laughs> so I don't. Sorry, frozen on ice, Vegas guy. I don't know. You're <laughs> what? What do you? What do you feel like is the cutoff date? Cutoff time of not texting of of not hearing from him after he was like, I'll let you know when I'm back. Yeah, I would say I'm being generous. Wednesday. So, and because again, we said Monday, which was fine. I kind of knew that, um, but I didn't talk to him since last Friday. So cut to Wednesday, that would have been what, like five days later, I think beyond five days, like that's not someone that's probably interested or available enough to like be in anything somewhat serious. Um, He also had, okay, at first I thought this was charming. Now I think it's kind of weird. He had a whiteboard with his roommates where they would all take turns going on dates because they were trying to like be, I guess, responsible and socially distanced. So like he would have a set day. He was allowed to go on a date. Like in, in case they were going to bring the person home. I mean, he didn't say that. I don't know. Um, I mean, I 
that's the only reason, right? That it that why could they not? I guess this in theory to spread limiting out limiting exposure. Yeah, but he also. I just don't think scientifically that really makes much sense. <laughs> I can under. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's due to apartment c- capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you say <laughs> that. <laughs> and he lives in Baltimore. I mean, that would be like a bit of a truck for me. So now that I have to drive places, it's really changed my level of like how far I'm willing to go to see somebody. <laughs> Do you think it's worse having to drive far or sit on a subway? To go to, to I mean <laughs> when you put it like that I I guess car just because I think when you're driving you have to be more responsible with how much you're drinking and like yeah yeah true truly right right you have to deal with the car you have to get it back somehow right yeah um parking parallel parking that's oh terrible <laughs> I know oh I wish we would have talked to Kevin about this but dating in LA is like a whole other thing I'm yeah, sure yeah yeah wow hmm, maybe we'll have to have him back ask about uh you would like that <laughs> madison is giving me a side eye <laughs> <Kevin>. listen <laughs> savannah is single <laughs> listen a long distance it just wouldn't work but um you are any... a west coast gal though i have to say yeah yeah uh you know at heart <laughs> uh just any any single ladies on the west coast uh kevin is uh an, a, an attractive fellow <laughs> i know you guys have a cute little 15 or 20 minutes i don't think about I, 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 I wouldn't i don't know about intimate it was just unexpected um i was i was unprepared for for alone time with with a cute male <laughs> we're gonna cut all this out right i don't know <laughs> You know, Savannah, you're not dating. I'm just saying we just keep bringing them to you. We just keep putting them on the pod. I know, but this might be part of, yeah, maybe I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I think you're ready, but I don't know. I guess you have to decide. We have to figure it out. First steps first, I have to figure out my attachment style, which sneak peek to to more on this episode. I feel like I'm just giving so much away, so we should just get right on into it. (laughs) Here we go. Here it is, our episode with Kevin Nahai, motivational coach and cute human (laughs) (laughs) hello hello and welcome back to swiped out this week (laughs) this week sav and i have a very special guest kevin nahai he is a motivational speaker and dating coach he offers relationship and self-esteem advice to his clients um, and he is known for working one-on-one with women in their 20s and 30s. Welcome, Kevin, to the pod. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me on. So, Kevin, you are coming to us from L.A. I am, yes. Beautiful, sunny L.A. Not so sunny today, actually. It's a little gloomy once in, for, for a change. But, yeah, uh, it's gloomy yeah. here, but, it, but it's always kind of gloomy here on the East Coast. It's always gloomy yeah. there. Kind yeah. of our vibe. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, I want to get into your career as a motivational speaker and... I've always found this fascinating, how people become motivational speakers, what their background story is, what inspires them. So tell us, how did you get to that? Um, so I, I had a lot of, I, I, think, I think every great speaker or coach is somebody who uses the adversity that they went through and learns how to harness it and learns how to overcome it and then is able to teach other people. Uh, lessons from it. I think that the final stage of healing 
is utilizing what happened to you in order to heal other people. So when I was 19, I was diagnosed with a chronic disease. I became extremely sick. Um, I fell into a very deep depression. I started having panic attacks. I became suicidal and almost took my own life. Um, after that, I developed severe anorexia and my organs were failing and my mental and emotional health was still hanging by a thread for several years. After that, I went through a couple of really toxic and devastating relationships and terrible breakups. And I learned that I had attachment issues and codependency and I had no purpose as a man. I had no direction. I had no idea what goes into creating a sex successful relationship, even though I had been surrounded by them. I had zero confidence. And so basically my story is that as a young person, I went through a very extreme version of what we all go through. We all have some form of being anxious, being depressed, having struggles with our dating lives, and having a troubled relationship with our body and with food, and having difficulty developing authentic self-esteem and self-respect. We all go through some version of that between the ages of like 20 and 40, whether it's in your college years or when you hit 30 or, you know, if you're 37 and you don't have a partner and you don't know what you want to do with your life. These are all very common things that young people struggle with. And I just went through a super extreme version of them at a very young age. Like we're talking between 18 and 22, 24. Um, and the, the crux of my story is that I was in therapy for seven years and I had different coaches and different mentors, but nobody ever sat me down and said, okay, we understand what your issues are. How are we going to fix them? Here's what we're going to do, right? Everybody told me that it takes time and it's a journey and, you know, you got to flow and you have to let things unfold naturally and all these things, which are very good advice and fall sort of into the mindfulness category, but I wanted structure. I wanted someone who was more experienced than me and someone who had been to hell and back and who had overcome it to help to hold my hand and walk me through the process of creating an extraordinary life, of, of becoming successful um, in whatever way you define that. And I didn't find it. Um, so I, I created it and I said to myself, who can I really help? I can really help people who are me, people who are in their twenties or their thirties. And they've, they understand to some degree what I've been through. And so now, you know, if somebody comes to me and they want to 10 X their business, I say, you got to go hire a business coach. I've never done that. You know, if someone says I'm, I, I have three children and I'm going through a divorce, they got to go to, you know, a divorce therapist or something like that. I've never done that, but I can help people, uh, millennials, if, if you like, and, and people with whom I have a, a shared common story and I can save them a lot of time and heartache because I already made the mistakes for them. <laughs> 
So that's that's my backstory. Wow, oh, I have chills. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> thank thank you so much for sharing that with us, Kevin. Yeah. And I think yeah. it is inspiring. I mean, to motivate, one has to uh, go through some experiences themselves, be able to share that wisdom, and to help others. So. That is um, quite the story, and it's so cool that you're, you know, using those experiences to help others and kind of pay it forward, so to speak. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, uh, you know, swiped out is swiped out. Uh, we are a dating podcast, and we want to get into some dating questions. So, I know that you tend to do one-on-one coaching, but my question is that we haven't really focused on what happens when you're in a relationship, you know, you've made it to that stage, you've defined the relationship, you've gone through all the hard up and downs, the ghosting, the orbiting, all of it, and now you're in a relationship. So what advice do you have, Kevin, for people who are at that stage? How do you progress the relationship forward? How do you get closer with your partner? This is a great question, and it's one that's not asked often enough. Um, I assume that most of your guests and and most of your episodes are focused on finding the relationship rather than what to do when you're in it. Finding the relationship is easy. Finding an incredible relationship, a blissful relationship, a lasting relationship is very, very hard. Keeping a relationship like that is also very hard. You, You both are young, intelligent, capable, beautiful women. You could go out and find a relationship tomorrow. But finding a person who's going to be your better half, your other half, somebody who's really going to fill your soul and and with whom you have a future, that's a tall order. And if that's a tall order, then what do you do when you have it, right? We have this misconception that when we get the relationship, it's sort of like, okay, I got this shit in the bag, excuse my language, right? And now I can just cruise and it's going to be you know, rainbows and butterflies, and we're going to ride off into the sunset. And and there should be an element of that. You know, you should feel the bliss and the love and the joy and all of that. But if it was really difficult and took a long time to find a relationship of that caliber, then it's going to require a lot of effort to keep it. And some of the effort that it requires is, first of all, what you deserve to receive is not based on how wonderful you are or how beautiful you are or whatever. It's based on how much you give. So if you ever feel that your partner is not giving to you at the level that you wish, before you go about criticizing them and before you go about figuring out if they're the right person for you, first check your level of giving. Are you giving the most time, the most attention, the most affection? Are you giving your soul fully without the expectation of return? If the answer is yes and the other person is reciprocated, is not reciprocating, then it's time for you to bounce, right? Mm-hmm. But we tend to look at what the other person is doing wrong and why we deserve more without first making sure that we are giving at the highest level possible. A relationship should almost be a competition of which one can give more. Not actually a competition, but a successful relationship is one in which both parties aim to produce more than they consume, right? Mm -hmm. There's like a pot of gold in the middle, and each of you is trying to deposit gold coins into the middle, into that pot, so that you can both then take out as, as much as you want. You're trying to give more to the relationship than you're taking from the relationship. And if both of you are on the pay, on that same page, 
right? Then it's it's like two flames coming together and creating one larger, brightly burning flame. So that 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 would be the first thing is is check your your level of giving and make make sure that both of you are giving at the highest level possible. You know, I don't know about you, Savannah, but I'm thinking back on my past relationships, and it's like, hmm, I feel like it was me giving and trying to overcompensate and mm. not not having the magical gold coins mm-hmm. to pull from. No, At the end of the day, it's just like, oh, like I am bankrupt. I have no more to give, mm. and there's nothing to take out of it. So that's no, very definitely. interesting. If that's the situation, then it is not fair for you to stay in it mm-hmm. at all, you know. Mm-hmm. But what happens in that situation, Madison, is that we, the mistake that we make is we answer bad behavior with bad behavior. We look at the other person and they say, well, they're not giving, so I'm not going to give. They're not mm-hmm. texting back, so I'm not going to text back. They're playing hard to get, so I'm playing hard to get, right? We get defiant. We get resentful. And now the foundation of your relationship is built on a game, right? Mm-hmm. That is not authentic. It's not honest. So it's very simple. Uh, I mean, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to understand. It's not always easy to do. If you are absolutely sure that you are giving, 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 and there is nothing in that pot of gold for you to take from, the other person is not contributing, don't mimic their bad behavior. Just leave and go give it to somebody who is going to reciprocate, right? Mm-hmm. And and we, you know, we all have that story where where we always feel like, we are giving so much and the other person is not giving and it's not equal. But the mistake we make is that we try to chase their love and affection by taking ours away. You know, it's sort of like, well, I'm, I'm going to pull back and that's going to make the other person come to me. We don't have time for that shit after the eighth grade, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, and you're also, you're doing the world a disservice because if you have this pot of gold to give, there is somebody out there who is ready and willing to receive it and to give it back to you tenfold. Mm-hmm. Don't waste it on some idiot who is not going to, you know, is, is not putting in the, the same amount. However, before you make sure, because I work with a lot of couples, right? And, mm. and, and a lot of them will come to me with this exact problem. And, I, and so I just say as a caveat, Check your level of giving first, you know, like really, because you might be giving in different ways. The other person might be giving to you, just not in the way that feels good for you. That doesn't mean that they're not giving. It's an issue of compatibility in that Mm -hmm. case. This is a very sort of complicated, nuanced thing. No, absolutely. We talk a lot about um, love languages on Mm. the podcast, but also attachment styles. Do you um, work with couples on attachment theory and their different styles and how they give or receive love at all? I work with everyone on attachment. It is one of the most fundamental things that you need to know about yourself. And if you're dating someone, you need to know about your partner in order to have a successful relationship. Um, Also, and this brings me to the second point you said, you know, what do you do to keep the relationship alive is... You need to never, ever stop working on yourself and improving yourself. And you also need to have a very sophisticated understanding of the other person that you're dating. If your love language is physical touch and their love language is words of affirmation, your relationship is going to crash and burn if you keep touching them. 
they don't want you to touch them. They want you to talk to them, right? That shows a sophisticated understanding of who they are. And the work that you're doing on yourself is humbling yourself enough to give the other person what they need and to be the best possible person for your partner, right? So the first stage is making sure that you're giving enough and the giving is reciprocal. The second stage is working on yourself, working through your own issues and really understanding both yourself and the other person, right? And the mistake we make is when we get into a relationship, we assume we already know the other person and we assume, well, I got here, so I'm chilling. I don't have to keep Mm -hmm. going to therapy. Mm -hmm. I don't have to keep exercising. I don't have to keep working out. I don't have to keep reading. You know, I I'm, I'm good the way that I am, Mm. but as you evolve and as the other person evolves, if you're not paying really, really close attention to who you are and who they are, right. And you don't have a very keen understanding of both of those things, then the two of you might grow, but you're going to grow apart. You're not going to grow together. Mm. So anyway, the long and short of it is attachment is one of the, the most important things you can, you should know your attachment style down to a T before you even go into the dating market. And you should not date anybody who is incompatible with it. Let's talk about that quickly, Kevin, if we can. I don't think we've brought this up before. So no, um, I am a deer in headlights right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are attachment styles? How do I know what I am? Somebody help me, please. <laughs> Your attachment style is the way you attach on an emotional level to another human being. We have two extremely significant points in our lives when we attach. One of them is to our mother, or if you don't have a mother, to our father. But if if you do have a mom and you were raised by your mom, you attach to your mom. That sets the, the basis for everything. The second a significant attachment you form is to your romantic partner. Okay. And the reason that a lot of our relationships crash and burn is that we are attaching to a romantic partner with whom we are incompatible. We are attaching to a romantic partner who does not serve our emotional needs in the way that they need to be met and served. So there are three attachment styles. There's technically a fourth, but the the population that has the fourth attachment style is marginal, so we'll just focus on three. One is anxious, one is avoidant, and one is secure. I am an anxiously attached person. An anxiously attached person is somebody who needs a lot of affection, a lot of attention, worries a lot about their relationships, needs a lot of communication, needs those words of affirmation, right? You are anxious in your relationships. Does this person like me? Is the relationship going well? Can I see you tonight? Why aren't you texting me back? So forth and so on. Anxiously attached people crave closeness and intimacy. Okay. Now imagine the polar opposite, an avoidant person, an avoidantly attached person. This is somebody who, when you get too close to them, they bail. They cannot handle the closeness and the intimacy, right? These people typically have a temper. They are very, very poor communicators. They don't text back. Their head is in 10,000 different places. They want to sleep with you and never talk to you again because 
more than that means that there's connection. Whereas an anxiously attached person, if they sleep with you, they're naming their children in their head, like, you know, during the cuddling phase <laughs> after. Okay. A secure attached, securely attached person is somebody who has a very high need for emotional intimacy, but is able to regulate it, right? So when I say I'm, I'm an anxiously attached person, that's the way I was for most of my years. Now I'm much more secure. I still have anxious tendencies, right? But now when I get lonely or when I get anxious, I won't do something crazy. I'm able to soothe myself. The other hallmark of securely attached people is that they choose good partners. They don't chase the wrong people for them, right? Because emotionally, they are stable. And in their relationships, they are secure. So if, if you break up with an avoidant person, you're never going to hear from them again. They're on a train to Bosnia. If you break up with an anxious person, they're going to get really anxious and probably call and text you a bunch and probably try to fix it. If you break up with a secure person, they're going to be sad and they're going to miss you, but they will be okay. And they will communicate with you and tell you that it's okay. And I, and I wish you the best. Okay. Do those three, does that summary make sense? It does. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I, yeah. Wow. And I, uh, I have a lot of, I think, uh, self-evaluation to do after this. I'm like, I, I have no idea, actually. Hearing all of those, I have no idea. I feel like I have been each one at different points in my life, and I couldn't tell you which one I am right now. Okay. No problem. Um, email me. And I will... <laughs> no, I, I'll send, I'll send you my, my PDF, which is 45 questions and we'll oh tell you definitively which one you are. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what a and, great resource. You know, I'll send to, to, to anybody who's listening. And it is so important because there's a cruel joke of all of this. First of all, let me dispel a myth. Everybody thinks that men are avoidant, right? Like men, they, they, you know, they just, they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to communicate their feelings and blah, blah, blah. That's actually not true. 50% of the population is secure. 25% anxious, 25% avoidant. Of the 25% that's anxious, 60% of them are men. So wow. if we're taking the 50% mm. of the population that is either anxious or avoidant, the majority of the anxious ones are men. The majority of the avoidant ones are women. So let me just put that you know, interesting factoid out there. Yeah. But the other that's thing that's great. extremely important to understand and why I want you to go fill out this questionnaire after this very podcast, Savannah, is that there's a cruel joke of attachment, which is that anxious people get in relationships with avoidant people and then their heart is destroyed because you are trying to get love and affection and attention and communication from someone who is not capable of giving it. Mm. So it becomes this emotional roller coaster that that just tears you to bits, right? An anxious person has to be with either an anxious or a secure person. Avo an avoidant person has to be with either an avoidant or a secure person. The majority of our relationships is our anxious people mixing with 
avoidant people. And it, and no. it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. And this is the nightmare I lived for years. And I was like, oh my God, why do I keep attracting these yeah. women who cannot and will not give me what I need? And then I mm. feel like this needy, clingy, just awful person when I'm, I'm really not that. I'm just going for the wrong thing. Mm. Wow. So that's what they mean when they say opposites attract. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, in a sense, but mm. they shouldn't when it comes yeah. to attachment. <laughs> not, not right. Yeah. Not to be. One, one book I do want to plug quickly is Attached. It's the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love by uh, Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Oh, what do we have here? <laughs> this is a great book. Kevin, just <laughs> hold it right up. You beat me to it. Kevin, yeah. just hold yeah. it up, said book, right now. We're on the same page here. Sure. It's a great, yeah, it's a great tool. Um, I've read that myself, and I think it gives you a lot of insight into mm. the different attachment styles, and I agree with you, Kevin, 100%. You need to know this uh, to know who you're attracting or who you've attracted in the past and how you can break all right, those all right. I, patterns. Ears open. Hopefully. Copy that. Reading list. Here we go. We got you, Chad. <laughs> I can put you yeah. on blast right here, right now on the podcast if you want. Put on blast. Ooh. Yeah. To all the to all his listeners, yeah, but let's no, do it. in the interest of you know doing doing the rest of the the podcast, yes. we'll we'll spare Savannah okay, this okay. time. The next episode <laughs> we do, we'll be airing all of your dirty laundry. Sure. <laughs> a good segue for us though Kevin so you know speaking of anxious and avoidant oftentimes when you're dating particularly dating on the apps casual dating uh the phrase ghosting comes up which as we know is a big oh no no we we like to use oh no no's on the pod (laughs) so when it comes to ghosting when it comes to orbiting any and all of the above what advice do you have for people when this happens how you can avoid it how you yourself can avoid ghosting give us all of it ghosting first of all is unacceptable i'm going to say this louder for the people in the back there is never a reason ever unless you got hit by a bus and you've been in a coma god forbid That is the only reason why you should ever ghost (laughs) someone. I don't care if you had a FaceTime with them and you don't like them. You tell them, okay? Ghosting is next to mistreating someone, like abusing them or cheating on them. Ghosting is the worst thing you can do to a person. and, and, And I believe this with every fiber of my being. Human beings need answers. They need closure. We are incredibly bad at tolerating discomfort and not having an understanding of why something went the way it did. And it's so avoidable. All you have to do is tell somebody, hey, thanks for the chat. Didn't really feel it. I'm wishing you all the best. It takes two seconds of your life. So for anybody who has ever ghosted, uh, including myself, it's unacceptable. Don't ever do it again. It's the worst, most cruel thing that you can do. And I don't know why it became a thing. I mean, what kind of psychopath invented ghosting? Someone came up with this, you know, and it's just, I don't, I don't agree with it at all. In terms of what you can do to avoid being ghosted, you can't. If someone's going to ghost you and that's the way that they choose to handle it, 
then that is a sign that that is the that's what's going to happen when the shit hits the fan. If they're not able to show up for mm. you after one date and tell you, "Hey, I had a good time, but this isn't for me. I'm wishing you all the best." Then what do you think is going to happen when you really need them? People show you their true colors fairly early on. You just have to believe them. You have to believe what they show you. Mm. So I mean, what you could do to give some bit of constructive uh, advice here is you could tell them, hey, I'm a person who really likes to communicate. Even if you decide you don't want to go out with me anymore, can you make me a promise that you'll tell me that, right? That's something that you can do. You, you, can, you can tell the other person, it's really important to me to be on the same page about things. But if someone ghosts you, don't ever go back. It's... It's never, you know, that that's what that they lost their chance in my book. People can argue, they can fight, they can say mean things. As long as they apologize, they deserve a different, a second chance. When someone ghosts, that's it. Mm. Passionate anti-ghoster. Well, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, aren't you? Do you enjoy being ghosted? No, not at all. But I feel like I've been guilty of like, not necessarily a full on ghost, but like the fade away. But I feel like it's been a been two-sided mm. and just ne- never necessarily had that moment of closure. Uh, specifically with one guest on the podcast, Madison. You will you will know who I'm talking about. And I feel like I still have a sense of like lingering guilt for that because mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly. whether I was ghosting or whether he was ghosting or whether neither of us were ghosting and we were just too anxious to show our true feelings. But in any case, it just sort of, there was never closure, which I'm never, I've never been someone who like needs that in my life, but I, I do, I just, I don't know if I hurt that person. So Everyone yes, I'm that. anti, anti, yeah, I would say. Everyone <laughs> needs that a little, some, some form of closure. Now I have a video on my YouTube channel called how to move on without closure, which mm-hmm. is what, how do you move on from a situation mm-hmm. when you don't get any closure? And when you are ghosted and things like that, because that's a very necessary skill, but everybody needs closure. And the situation that you're dealing with now where you have that lingering guilt or that, you know, just those complicated thoughts that could have been handled with a three second text exchange or a three minute phone call, right? In the grand scheme of our lives, how easy is that to do? Totally. So much can be encapsulated in the word consistency. If you're dating casually, which I don't believe in, but you know, if you, if you're kind of dating for fun or whatever, you can disregard this. If you are looking for a relationship, guy or girl, straight or gay, doesn't matter. Look for these three things: R R R. Responsive, receptive, reliable. Hmm. What this means is a person who responds to you. They respond to you via phone, via text, and they also respond to your emotional needs. When you ask them for something, they don't just sit there and clam up or walk away. They use their words and they respond. Receptive. Receptive is a person who is capable of receiving your love and attention, right? They are also capable of reciprocating it. You can you can say that the second R is receptive or reciprocal. And the third R is the most important, reliable. 
if you are ready for a serious relationship, you need someone who is dependable, consistent, predictable. You know that they're going to respond within a certain number of minutes or hours. You know that they will call when they say they will call. You know that they will show up at the restaurant for the date at 8 p.m. You are not waiting for the other shoe to drop. When we're younger, we like the drama and we like the chase. And, you know, we like the inconsistency and we like winning people's hearts. Once you grow up a little bit and you get to the stage where you're ready for a serious relationship, if you're truly ready, you're looking for reliability. You're looking for consistency. And there's an element to it that some people might call boring. They'd say, oh, that Mm -hmm. sounds boring. I don't think it's boring. I think it's stable, right? And if you're not looking for stability, if you're not looking for that reliability and consistency, then it's probably not time, you know, you're probably not ready to get serious yet, which is cool. You know, take your time. There's no rush. But that those those are three hallmarks for people who are serious. RRR. Mm, yes, snaps to that. I love that. I hope that helps. Yes, it does. Yeah, thank you. I am curious, Kevin. So, you know, you work with a lot of clients, you work with couples, you've seen, I'm sure, a full spectrum of relationship issues. But would you say that dating apps are improving the dating experience, ruining the dating experience? I almost feel like people are more afraid to commit now because of the fear of missing out. There are so many options at your fingertips. You don't even have to leave your house. Yeah, that's a great perspective. Let me put it this way. There are many people I know who don't mind the dating apps and have found great people on them. So I can't give a blanket statement that they are good or bad. Do I personally use them? No. Would I recommend that somebody I love get on them? No. Um, But here is the barometer. Do they make you feel energized and excited? Or do they make you feel emotionally drained, resigned, and ugly? Personally, every time I get on a dating app or I used to get on a dating app, I felt ugly. I felt undesirable. I felt like I get no matches. All the matches that I do get are people that I don't want to go out with. I felt like it was a chase. I felt like it was a chore. I felt like it was draining my energy. And a lot of people feel this way. However, a lot of people see it as a tool. And they're like, this is exciting. I have new people to talk to. I have new options. I have you know, new people to connect with and so forth and so on. So if it is energizing and fulfilling for you, then who am I to say that it's not something that you should use? To your question of what they've done to the dating experience, they have ushered in an era of being noncommittal, for sure. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. to me is undeniable. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that they're bad or people shouldn't use them, but it is undeniable that that we are in an era of people being non-committal um, because of a very human, very, very basic human phenomenon in, in human psychology called the paradox of choice, yeah. which is yeah. the more choices you have mm-hmm. at any one time, the more dissatisfied you will be with whichever choice you pick. So if you're swiping through 12 different people and talking to six of them, Subconsciously, you're comparing all of them to all of them. You are not spending time actually getting to know any one of them. And then the one that you do choose, 
you find something to be dissatisfied with very quickly. And that's totally okay because you've got five or 11 other options. You know, when I was, uh, when I was at USC in college, I had this psychology professor who told me about the mustard theory, which is when you go into Ralph's and you go to the mustard aisle, which is an actual (laughs) thing, there are like 30 to 50 types of mustard. And now you don't know if you want like spicy brown or French's or Dijon. Dijon! Yeah, or like whole grain or, you know, whole grain with honey, whole grain with sriracha, whatever. But if you go there and there are three mustards, you're very happy with whichever one that you pick. It's a catch-22 because only having three mustards means you don't get to explore your options. At the same time, why do you need to explore your options if you're happy with the mustard you picked? It's the same with dating. So I can't say that definitively one way or another it's a good thing or a bad thing. But use that barometer. Do you enjoy this? If not, dating is hard enough as it is. Don't make your your dating life more difficult than it it needs to Mm. be if it's draining your energy. Mm. Yes. Kevin! (laughs) I know, right? Uh, I'm going to say the same way again. (laughs) Well, this has been awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much for coming on for all of these nuggets of wisdom. I'm going to be thinking about Mm -hmm. this mustard Mustard theory theory. for a long time now. (laughs) What's your your type? (laughs) Definitely Dijon, for sure. If only we had a correlation to if you like this type of mustard, you should date this type of person. I know, exactly. There could be an app for that. There could be an app. Yeah, for that. exactly. Choose your own condiments. Um, where can people find you, Kevin? Where can they contact you if they're interested in working with you? Um, I have a text service. You can text my number 310-923-6060. 310-923-6060. You can follow me on Instagram. It's just my name, Kevin Nahai. Um, you can reach out to me anytime. Um I will send you that uh, attachment questionnaire to figure out what your attachment style is. Um, My freebie to anybody who's listening to this is uh, a 30-minute phone call for no charge. Um, So please take me up on that. And that includes both of you guys. Anytime, I'm here for you. And yeah, I had a great time talking with you. I hope uh, we can do another episode and get into some more of the nitty-gritty. These were sort of more general concepts, um, which are super important, but I would love to come back and and discuss some specific questions maybe from your listeners. Yes, please. We will take you up on that. Absolutely. Okay, you got it. Thanks, Kevin. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. This has been another episode of Swiped Out. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating and review. Follow us on Instagram at SwipedOutPod, and we'll see you next time. Like we do it.